Hello, and welcome to the World We Live In podcast. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. Alongside me is Kyle Malden. Join us as we explore the amazing, mysterious aspects of our planet's cultures, history, and future trends. Nothing much, man. Just uh, you know, having a late start to the day. Yeah. Kind of. Um, yeah. Going into work a little later. Going into work a little later. Working mm. out a little later. You're uh, a little restricted on your hours. You've been busy. You've been super busy. Lately. I have. I've been. I've very much been uh, dedicated to work recently. Well, it is. It is the uh, middle of the football season. It is. <laughs> We are in the middle of the season, so you'd think I'd uh, I'd be at work, but you know, here we are. You're restricted, though. Um, how are you doing? All good. We finished up soccer season, uh, middle school soccer season the other week. <laughs> it was uh, a little disappointing. Um, I'm very much a for people who don't for people who don't know. I'm very much a. I love beautiful soccer, and I this year I've had to adjust and understand that not everyone can do that, or not everyone has the ability has the, uh, has has the, ability, the ability to do so, which has been humbling. Um, so I just had to adjust my expectations, um, you know, lower your expectations. Um, done that many a time uh so yeah i just had to do that and i mean it was fun it was it was a fun season uh i i I mean i enjoy coaching so it wasn't it wasn't awful it was just frustrating at times so makes sense yeah but that's good and uh coming up on thanksgiving next week got a fifth year high school reunion wow are you going i am i am oh yeah huh should be interesting. Are you uh, are you excited to see anyone in particular? Um, I guess what I am. what are your what are your expectations? No, well they're low. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I am excited. So like in high school, I was like, I was friends with a lot of people. Like I had a I'm couple really good friends. Humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> you know, everyone loved me. No, I was like I, I hung around with a lot of different groups, and so. Uh, now I haven't kept in contact with everyone. Obviously, that's not feasible. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see a whole host of people. Yeah, it should be good. Okay, it should be good. Um, and then uh, love Thanksgiving. Huge Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's great. Yeah, it's right. It's right after Christmas for me. Christmas is definitely my favorite. Christmas is one. Thanksgiving's two. Yeah. Wow, big time of the year for you. Huge time. Mm-hmm. Love fall, like I said, many time, but uh, you do love fall. Yesterday was cold. It, yeah. Uh, well, yesterday, you know, was, yesterday in Nashville, it was like thirty. It was like thirty-two. Yeah, thirty-two feels like twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the wind, it's worse, and mm-hmm. it's probably a good time to bring up the doggo. So we're dog sitting, um, this week. And uh, this dog is—it's um, unlike anything I've ever I've ever experienced. This so last night um, the three of us went out to the three of us, me, Kyle, and our roommate Elliot. Um, we went out to get food, and we put the dog in the cage. It's like a double latch, like front cage, and. By the time we get back, this dog had unlatched one of the latches and had slipped out through this 
I mean, she must have squeezed her way through it. Um, because it, it's like a metal cage. Yeah, so, like, kind of like Eric said, it's a double latch, and she somehow undid the bottom latch on the cage and then snuck out of, like, maybe a six-inch hole. I mean, she's pretty skinny. She's she's, she's pretty skinny, but the hole... It's like a medium-sized dog. Yeah. Anyway, we were all baffled at this, and... She basically broke out of jail. She did. She did break out of jail. And then she proceeded to somehow get past... Well, that I don't think that doggy door thing we have on our stairs is that good anyway. But she is, she proceeded to somehow power that thing open, run into Kyle's room, and uh, leave him a few uh, leave him a few treats that uh, I proceeded to clean up. But good times. <laughs> Hashtag not my dog. Not my dog. Not my dog. But anyway. Um. What do you got for us this week? Um, well, another thing I wanted to get oh, yeah. into were just the fires in uh, California. Oh, yes. We should definitely mention that. Um, so the, the fires like went all the way up to my backyard. Um, the house is okay. But we know some families that have lost like their entire homes, and it's just been super crazy. It is wild. Mm-hmm. But you were showing me one of the houses yesterday. Oh, yeah, one of the houses. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, two-story house, like, 90 seconds from the beach, and there is not even half a wall standing. Man. Do you know what happens? Like, I assume they're allowed to rebuild if they can. I mm-hmm. mean, I know that's probably fairly expensive. Yeah. I mean, especially, like, up in, like, the hills area, you know. But they still own the land. Like, they still own the lot. I imagine fire insurance is, like, really popular. Yeah. In California. That's something I have zero idea about. But, yeah. It has to be. Man. Well, uh, your parents and grandparents are safe. They are. Oliver's safe, who was a uh, past guest. And uh, Chris, (laughs) your dad, who has been probably our most... Guest. avid Cur- supporter current listener <laughs> current listener avid supporter um glad you guys are okay and um oh god it has to be scary <laughs> I was pretty stressed out on Friday Dude, yeah you I mean reasonably so <laughs> reasonably so um some of the videos that you've shown me are it, scary, it looks like a, a volcano exploded Dude, it does um the one video of that woman is going around Twitter just driving, driving. through fire. Mm-hmm. You can't. She can't even see where she's going. I was going to say, well, I'm surprised. So you've driven through with us through, like, Malibu Canyon yeah, yeah. and, like, Canaan. Like, that's where she's driving through. Like, she, she is driving through a canyon. That's insane. <laughs> Dude. It's, uh... That's tough. It, well, it's like... We, I've said this Mother Nature just Is the ultimate Just can't stop one stop The ultimate equalizer You can't stop her uh-huh. Doesn't matter Doesn't matter what you do So Yeah So it goes So it goes We go again <laughs> We go again <laughs> Um Okay I know some people may have seen this, but uh, there were these uh, there were these apparent UFO sightings off the coast of Ireland, I believe. Yeah, uh, it was off the coast of Ireland. Um, so someone called in. So this article is from uh, BBC News. Uh, this happened yesterday, and um, a woman called in to the air traffic control in Ireland and um, she wanted to know if there were military exercises going on in the area because there were lights going off in the sky that were quote moving so fast the air traffic controller said they were unaware of no such exercises Um, apparently they were this was a the person who saw it was a pilot who was flying from Canada City uh, of Montreal to Heathrow. Ah. 
basically the air traffic controller, like the people that wrote the article, think that it is a shooting star. Okay. However, if you were a pilot, I feel like you would know what that is. You know, like you've probably seen a lot of those. Yeah. No, I've heard. I've heard accounts of pilots witnessing UFOs, and the ones that I've heard is where the the UFO is almost like shadowing the plane mm-hmm. and then it like, just kind of veers off. So the pilot said there are multiple objects following the same sort of trajectory and they were very bright. Um, hmm. He said the speed was astronomical. Interesting. Much like Mach 2, which is twice the speed of sound. It's pretty damn fast. Have you ever seen a plane break the speed of sound? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mach 2 is twice that. Damn. Uh, the article, like I said, goes on to say, these are most likely shooting stars. Uh, it appears the matter was extremely bright, so it must have been quite large. I cannot say from the pilot's description, but it could have been the size of a walnut or an apple. Huh. Apparently, November is a busy month for shooting stars. Is it? Hmm. Apparently. (laughs) Apparently. Huge rumor. Huh. Interesting. (laughs) Well, you know, so let's just say it's not a UFO. Let's say it is a shooting star. Right now, I think the UFO phenomenon is like super media publicized. Mm -hmm. And so, you know. So it is being investigated, um, as in all, as are all reports mm-hmm. uh, from pilots. Uh, they are being investigated. Um, so we uh, will see. Well, there's this. Um, so this is off the coast of Ireland. Mm-hmm. There's this area called the Welsh Triangle, which is an area of Wales. Um, this is just a description on there. It's an area of Wales that has frequent sightings of UFO activity. These places include uh, Pembroke, Cardigan, Fishguard, St. David's, Milford Haven, uh, Haverford West, um, and apparently there are military bases um, 20 miles, I guess, around the area. So. I'm not too familiar with this, but I know that I've heard of it before, and I guess there were major sightings in the late 70s in that time, so who knows. <clears throat> maybe they're uh, maybe they're picking back up, or maybe it's a shooting star. And if it was, uh, someone should have wished upon a shooting star. All I'm saying, yeah. Again, if you're a pilot, I'm sure you see this all the time. The shooting stars? Yeah. Like flying at night? I don't know how common shooting stars are. Apparently common in November. Okay, but don't shooting aren't shooting stars in space? What are, what what specifically are shooting stars? Good question. Check that out for us. Um, because Okay. I'm I'm pretty sure I don't know. I feel like they're not in the atmosphere. <clears throat> Uh, a shooting star is a small, rapidly moving meteor burning up on entering the Earth's atmosphere. So it's coming in. Okay. Okay. Huh. Well, I guess yeah. there could have been multiple. I mean, this guy said it's as big as an apple, maybe a walnut. Oh, that's the size that he quoted in the article? That was probably the size of the, of the meteor. Yeah. The... the uh, Scientists said uh-huh. it, it's probably something that just like that small. Well, I would like for it to be UFOs, but I'm, I'm a little skeptical at this point. They are caused by tiny bits, uh, meteors or tiny bits of dust mm. entering the Earth's atmosphere and burning up. The short-lived trail of light is the burning uh, meteor pro- meteoroid produces. It's called a meteor. Thank you for that description. You're welcome. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like there's too much to it yet. It sounds like a fairly brief huh. overview. 
It sounds like there's annual meteor showers. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's what they were doing in Big Mouth, right? <laughs> that's right. They were, they, were, uh, they were looking through telescopes. Annual meteor showers. Yeah, dude, there's meteor showers every year. You think we'd have that? You think we'd have this down to a science? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if that's your life, then you know what you know when when what's happening. The, so these different meteor showers have different names. Oh. And well, I know this because I'm on the American Meteor Society. Oh, are you now? American or A M S Meteors dot org. A M S Classic. <laughs> Classic. Um, there, our next meteor, it's shower, is coming up, um, in three days. Okay. Uh, it's called Leonidas. Oh. It, it's peak night is going to be from November 7th, oh, that's 2019. Oh. Next year. Damn it. So we, so we missed it. We missed it. Mm-hmm. Our next one is going to be December 13th through the 14th. Okay. Um, um, Germanids is the name of the meteor shower. Sweet. I like Leonidas better. Well, we're going to have to wait 366 days. Damn. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I'll put it on my calendar. Look at this. Uh, Check out this graphic, though. A little bad, bad radio, but... Oh, wow. It's a graphic of the of like, different... Yeah. I'm assuming those are meteors coming. I'm assuming so, and there's like the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. In the, wow, that's Rotating awesome. around Earth. Yeah. I just have this app on my phone um, that I pulled it up, and I would have to hold it up to the sky, and it would oh, yeah. show me like the different stars. The constellations. And star, yeah, and constellations. Yeah. It's pretty badass. That's a cool one. Yeah. There, I, I've just a little side note. I was on the App Store the other day, and it is it is insane, dude. How many apps there are? It's like TV channels. It, there, it's ridiculous. Literally, no one could possibly. Well, your phone only holds a certain amount. It's it's insane. It's insane. I saw insane. I saw an app. Well, it was a, it was a tweet making fun of an app, and it was like. <sighs> It was something about farming, and mm-hmm. it was like farming it, simulator. Yeah, it was. It was. No, it was it? farming simulator sixteen. Oh and the, no! And the stop. tweet said, "Do I need to play the previous like fifteen versions to understand this one?" <laughs> Dude, that's have you seen the goat simulator? Yeah, we're just a goat and you just run around. <laughs> that's just ridiculous, man. You actually have to pay for the goat simulator. Dude, who pays someone? World we live in. The world what we a live place. In. What a place. Um, Speaking about the world we live in. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to China. Oh, let's hit it. Um, so this article is from Futurism. Mm. Apparently, China has a Chinese company has developed technology to identify a citizen based on their walk. Oh. Uh, so this... Article says China's latest weapon in its war against citizen privacy, uh, gate recognition software. Um, so the story is originally from the Associated Press, but this one is kind of just hits all the all the the big talking points. Um, the system. So the company is called uh, Waitrix. Okay. It claims it can identify a person by its walk. From 165 feet away, even if their back is to the camera. So even wow. if you're not facing the camera, can identify your walk. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you like point your feet a certain way or are walking with a limp. Yeah. It uh. It doesn't matter. Apparently, your walk is is unique to you. I mean, um, that makes sense. It's 94% accurate. Okay. And. So it's not, it doesn't work in real time yet, but the software only needs 10 minutes to analyze about an hour worth of, of video data. Uh Wow. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, but again, kind of frightening. It is, it is frightening. Um, it said this technology is more likely to be used in companies. 
Okay. So it only allows individuals and, like, if you have, like, a restricted area oh, or, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, certain parts of, like, a hospital or, or something like that. maybe you wouldn't need an ID badge to get in anywhere. Right, like if you work at a bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it said the, it's right now, since the software isn't in real time, mm-hmm. it is not as beneficial as facial recognition just For because sure. it takes, you know, that 10 minutes you have a 10 minute delay. Yeah. Um, it just, the, the article goes on to say that it could be helpful in, uh, like missing people. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, if you don't know, like where a suspect is, if you have all these cameras set up, you don't need to know, you know what their face looks like. Yeah. You don't, I mean, you don't have to be out. I mean, you probably will. Authorities probably will. You don't have to be searching everywhere. So it it right facial recognition it goes and say facial recognition is easy to implement because whether you like it or not the government most likely knows what you look like <laughs> yes um, yes and so it is easy apparent I guess it's easier to connect facial recognition to I guess for that for software to yeah um, analyze that right now. However, what I've gathered from this is China's essentially building a, I mean, a, a whole profile of their citizens, how they walk, what they look like. I was about to say, uh, from what we've discussed, was it last week or the week before? The week before. The week before, um, the stuff about China and the uh, social credit score, mm-hmm. I think that's what it was, social credit system. Um, Basically, you need to have a, a certain amount of money to go to yeah. certain areas. Basically, if you're in debt, you can't go anywhere. B- right. Ba- yeah. Based on your economic means, you could be restricted to do a lot of things. And where, you, where you're allowed to travel. Yeah. Inside China. Inside China. Inside correct. of your own country. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know how... I don't know if there... I, I, I'm not aware if there's restrictions on leaving the country. I don't remember reading anything about that, but I could see that being possible. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they wouldn't let you leave if you were in debt. Yeah. Or somehow did something that put you on the naughty list. I mean, right? If you're like super in debt in China, I can't imagine that they'd just be cool with letting you go to somewhere else and not paying those <laughs> debts off. I know. I mean, that's really what it is. It is. It's like a nice and naughty list, is what it sounds like. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sweet. Um, anything else concerning that article? No, that no. that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, Do you say this company was Chinese? I believe so. Okay. I believe they. It's the way the article put it is it made it sound like they were hired by the Chinese government to create this technology and it is Chinese. Waitrix is a Chinese-based artificial intelligence company focusing on computer vision and video big data analysis. Big data. Wow. (laughs) You know, when I was in in school, they said that, that big data is like great and it's super cool. But where you make the real money is the companies that are able to analyze the data. Because having the data, doesn't sure. it doesn't do anything for you unless you know how to analyze it. Unless you know how to pick it apart. Yeah, it's true. And it is true. do that just like efficiently as possible. As, yeah, as quickly and as well. That, that description I just read is pretty scary. That was like that one description we read the other the other week. I can't remember specifically what it said, but it was in the China. We were just like, oh, God. How was that legal? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like, oh, my. Artificial intelligence company focused on computer vision and video big data analysis. Yeah. That sounds like the company has provided mature AI solutions to security, transportation, mm. manufacturing, and other industries. Mm-hmm. Mm. Good times. Huh. <laughs> Interest, interesting. Interesting stuff. The term, Kyle, I don't know if you can remember it. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but it was something governance. It was like orchestrated governance. It was something like... 
Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I can't remember top of it. Oh man, I won't be able to remember yeah. either. But it it was uh, it was, it sounded just like absolutely author authoritative, authoritarian, for authoritarian sure. like yeah. dictatorship. Yeah, yeah, it did. Well, anyway, um, sweet. So we're gonna uh, transition a little bit into the uh, more supernatural, if you will, because yeah. you know we like that stuff too. Um, so. I came across this uh, these scanned versions of this magazine dating back from the 70s. It's called uh, Alpha Probes the Paranormal. Okay. Okay, so they talk about this specific uh, edition talks about mostly like psychic stuff and like uh, this, one, this story that I'm going to start out with uh, a man uh-huh. is a uh, spiritualist he was able to produce produce spirits at seances. Speaking of spiritualists, uh-huh. as as promised, at least I don't. Know, what are you doing tomorrow? Uh, I just work in the morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make appointments for us to go. We go see a psychic. Uh-huh. Ah. As as promised. As promised. Yes, we did say that last week. So, sorry, oh. sorry for interrupting. No, but no. I was it. I was uh. It's relevant. It's relevant. My brain. My brake kicked into gear. <laughs> um, okay, so this is a story about um, about a guy named George Spriggs. He uh, he was a young Cardiff boot and shoe repairer that could produce phantoms, and these phantoms were reported to um, appear in the séance rooms, but they would walk out and apparently visit shops. Around the corner and purchase things. <laughs> so, Spriggs, um, the article starts out, Spriggs, um, skeptics would argue, must have been masquerading as a spirit or getting other people to do this by like leaving the, leaving the building and mm-hmm. going and find that stuff. But apparently, apparently people, these spirits that he was able to produce, um, apparently people people would m- measure the spirits and not only measure them but weigh them as well <laughs> don't ask me how that's possible it doesn't... I, was, I was that was about to be my follow-up yep it does not go into detail which i think is entertaining honestly i would like detail but you know it's kind of interesting to let the mind wander so it says Spriggs was placed on a chair in the corner of the room behind a curtain. The floor was solid and the door was behind the sitters, so no accomplices could gain access. So the people I assume oh, were watching right. or participating in the seances. So Spriggs was quote unquote discovered by uh, by a medium named Reese Lewis, R E E S Lewis, who lived across the road from this guy, um, Lewis ended up persuading Spriggs to leave this apparent religious sect he was with and join a spiritual a spiritualist group called uh, the Circle of Light which uh, sounds kind of <laughs> um, mysterious and uh, just kind of guru-ish if you will but I guess it was just a spiritualist group so after 10 months of receiving automatic writing and clairvoyance, Spriggs started producing um, physical phenomena, and um, these spirits were, in, according to people, they were actually spirits of, of the dead. So there's a couple, um, the, this article gives a couple instances um, from firsthand accounts. So by a man by the name of Jay Smart... Uh, this is his testimony. He says, I have seen in the course of one evening 10 or a dozen separate forms, male and female, manifest some the height of a child, about four feet, others near six feet, all of different build, contour, and manner, and sometimes appearing in very rapid succession. I have seen two of these of different stature at the same moment. I have seen the medium side by side with one of them. Okay, so that's technically a first hand account. Um, so a spiritualist publication called The Medium not very uh, 
Not very ingenuitive. Uh huh. I was gonna say, yeah. Name. How long did that take? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not too long. They published a signed account on December 21st, 1877 from 16 witnesses who saw the medium and a spirit at the same time. Uh, Says further evidence that the phantoms were not produced by trickery. Hmm. So Smart again says, I have seen a form nearly six feet in height gradually dematerialize, dissolving until only a small white cloud remained in the place where he stood from which he has slowly reappeared again to his full height. I have seen one form leave the seance room and quite a different one return. (laughs) I have seen other nationalities with black features and hands. One friend would sit down with us or start conversing for some 20 minutes. What? Where was this? This was in Wales. Wales. Mm -hmm. On one occasion... Um, a tall Negro is said to have appeared, walked into the bedroom of Spriggs, of Spriggs's sleeping grandson, and then carried the child <laughs> into the garden and back again. The man who helped Spriggs develop his powers described some of uh, his experiences in these words. Um, basically, he says, for upwards of two years, uh, spirits have shown themselves visibly... Um, they dissolved slowly before us until only a small white cloud. So similar to uh, mm-hmm. similar to Smart's um, descriptions. Right. So uh, apparently, where they were held, where were they, where they were holding these seances, um, the people next door were getting freaked out because there were like spirits walking around, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and they basically filed some sort of court uh, appeal or whatever. Uh-huh. So, Spriggs ended up leaving Wales and moving to Melbourne. Oh, sorry. Melbourne. Melbourne? Melbourne. Melbourne. (laughs) Australia. Um, Where he continued to produce phenomenon. Uh, One of the witnesses was actually a former member of the Legislative Assembly of Victoria. And this man attended sessions with Spriggs for 18 months and actually wrote a book called The Evidences of Spiritualism which contained uh, detailed accounts of Spriggs' mediumship. So, um, this is the last story that the article ends with. Um, This is an extraordinary incident that that occurred at one of the Australian seances. So, I'll read it verbatim. A man materialized and said he wanted to write a letter. The materials were provided and he wrote a three-page letter which he put in an envelope and addressed to a woman in Sydney who had been to the circle two or three times. No one had a stamp, however, so he borrowed six pence from one of the sitters and left the seance room in order to buy one from the shop next door. Apparently, word reached the shopkeeper that the phantom was on his way to buy a stamp. (laughs) This man was so flustered that he forgot to give the dead man change. When he returned to the seance room... The spirit realized that the shopkeepers that the shopkeeper made an error and the spirit went back for the money. <laughs> the letter was posted and a reply received um, which the materialized man subsequently opened at another seance and read aloud. So that's a pretty awesome story. That is a great story. Isn't that wonderful? Um, so I guess, uh, for about six years, Spriggs was able to do this and then it kind of faded away, which we've heard before. Mm -hmm. Um, if you remember that Icelandic medium you talked about, it was like, I think it was like three or five years that he was able to produce these things, these, um, entities. Um, so in 1900, he returned to Britain um, between, oh, uh, between 1903 and 1905, he used his psychic powers to give medical advice. Um, and he died in 1912. So, pretty cool stories there. Um, ah, yeah, dude, I love those kind of stories. <laughs> it's just, it's hilarious to think that, like, that would happen. You know what I mean? I love the shopkeeper. Dude. One. The, the postage. <laughs> Seriously. The dead guy coming back for his change. Love that. Um, 
Yeah. Classic whales. Classic. <laughs> Dude, there's some crazy stories that come out of. Well, I guess was that in Australia? Or was well, that... it was yeah, Australia. The the shopkeeper thing was was in Australia. That was in Australia. Yeah. Um. I didn't know if that was before he. Uh, basically left. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I guess the Welsh couldn't deal with him, so I had to. It's also just a quick side note on Australia. It's crazy that like that was like a prison colony. <laughs> they just like shipped. I don't know a ton of history, but I do know ship like, prisoners yeah. down to Australia. Yeah, and then it just started like thriving. I mean, it's pretty big landmass. That's huge. There's enough yeah. people where you can like. Yeah. I don't know, like do stuff and. Oh yeah. I've read something where it's like 85 or like 95% of Australia's population lives within like 20 miles of the coast. Oh, yeah. It was, it was something like that. It has to be. has to be. I could believe that. Yeah. Dude, because I mean, the interior is just straight up desert. Right. It's, yeah. It is just outback. There's like, what that's, there's a, is it Alice Springs? I think it's Alice Springs is one of the, one of the cities in like, in the, in the middle. In the middle. It's not like smack dab in the middle, but it's it's in the middle. Relative. Um, well, cool. Uh, I got one more story about a spirit surgeon. Um, and this guy's name, well... God, Australia looks beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But that is anyway. Yeah. Um, so, this story concerns two different individuals... Um, one by the name of George Chapman and the other by the name of William Lang. So, William Lang was a surgeon from the uh, late 1800s. Um, George Chapman was a medium that lived from 1921 to 2006. So, William Lang was born on December 28th, 1852 in Exeter, England. Um, to a family of merchants and he was tutored at home up to the age of 12 and then he began his uh, his career as a medical student um, ended up specializing in ophthalmology um, and yeah he, he made a he made a career out of that um, he was a practicing Christian who prayed for his patient's health and apparently during his life he was comfortable with the idea that there were spirits. So, that's William Lang. George Chapman was born in Liverpool on uh, 1921, or uh, on February 4th, 1921. Um, he was born to a, a poor family. Um, he enlisted in the Royal Air Force at age 18, worked as an instructor during World War II. Um, he married at 22 and suffered the tragic death of his firstborn child in infancy. Mm. Um, and this is kind of what kicked off his... This is what kicked off George Chapman's interest in life after death. And so he began going to... Well, I should say. So Chapman was 17 years old when William Lang died. Okay. Okay. So... Um, they never crossed paths okay so as I said previously um, George Chapman began this kind of search for the afterlife and after he got out of the military um, he started uh, joining this group that did seances and at one point spirits started communicating and saying that George Chapman had been chosen to be a healer, and this kicked off the sort of breakaway thing where he started to develop his mediumship with a small circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, ringleader. Yeah. Ringleader, yeah. So he started these sessions, and he would go into a trance, and various spirit entities would speak through him. Um, they say that there was a Native American and a Chinese surgeon that apparently initially spoke through him. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, um, at a certain point, this Dr. Lang character started popping up. 
Now, at this point, um, Chapman had no idea who this guy was. So the article says, At first he would say no more about his identity, and Chapman's attempts to trace him failed because there proved to be many surgeons of that name in the medical record books. But once Lang had established a good working relationship with his medium and his work had become more widely known, he began to speak about his life on Earth. Chapman and his helpers were then able to verify his statements. So, when Chapman would um, channel this entity of Lang, he... It said he did work on... Uh, the etheric body. What is that? So it's like a go-between between like the spirit and the physical. Okay. Um, which is which is interesting and the article talks about how he would do these well, specifically on the on the author of this article, he did this operation where he basically so this is so Chapman is channeling Lang and he is doing this surgery like hovering over the man's eye. Okay. So it turns out this this author, um, his mother had a certain condition where. Her tear ducts stopped working, uh-huh. so she had to get transplants or some sort of surgery. Right. And wow, eye transplants—that'd be weird. Or like tear duct transplants, uh-huh. something like that. And even though the author didn't have the issue at this period in time, when Chapman was channeling Lang, Lang said that there was an issue with his tear ducts, and so he did this like surgery supposedly on the etheric. Self. Okay. So that's kind of it's kind of a crazy <laughs> concept right there, but that's that is uh, yeah that's that's what it says. So at this point, uh, the author's like super skeptical. He uh, he starts to, he basically poses a ton of questions. He says, um, "Was it a charade? Was Chapman a clever actor who had learned enough medical terminology to bluff his way through these healing seances, or had I been operated on by a dead surgeon? <laughs> <laughs> or was it a lucky guess and no more than a coincidence? Um, so eventually, the this author um, of the article, he and Dr. Lang, as well as Chapman, mm-hmm. um, they basically get to know each other. So the author's able to distinguish between who Chapman's character is, like personality, right. and who this Dr. Lang guy uh-huh. is. He's able to separate the uh, the person in front of him from the uh, the doctor. Exactly, exactly. So he gets a little more clarity. Um, it says, while the surgeon speaks with confidence and uses a large vocabulary, Chapman, a quiet and modest man, uses simple language, often stumbling over a word which he finds difficult to pronounce. Um... So as time goes on, um, the author came to accept Lang as a separate entity and a friendship developed between Chapman and him, as I stated. Um, he says we would meet for a drink in London every so often when Chapman would come down. Um, and it turns out, and this is kind of how the article ends, so it turns out that Chapman um, began to... Um, f- find these um, pieces of Lang's like personal belongings. Huh. Okay. And the the um, the author is like, he doesn't know how he got these. Like he, whenever he meets him in London, it says they like he sees these little trinkets, like a little pocket box or something that has Lang's initials on it. And he's like, I, I don't understand where he's getting these, and. Chapman eventually calls um, the author and says that um, his auntie Lyndon had died in a North London nursing home. So this was a 94-year-old lady um, that was Lang's daughter. So Chapman, Chapman had 
befriended this lady uh-huh. and they would have conversations but Chapman would be channeling Lang. Oh right, so she'd be talking she'd to She'd be talking Lang. to her father. Uh-huh. And she she eventually left the bulk of her estate to Chapman. And this woman what? this woman seems to be from what I can understand a fairly wealthy woman. Uh-huh. Um, I mean to have an estate. Yeah, well it says her London home in Kensington. Okay. Um and yeah. Um Mary Lang um was the daughter of 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 Lang uh-huh. and she also introduced Chapman to um, her brother and to some of Lang's, I guess, former associates, uh, colleagues. Um, so yeah, and that is unbelievable. That kind of seals the deal for this author. Is like, if this woman is convinced that this guy is her father, uh-huh. then. I don't know who else better to uh, to discuss this with. So, there's a book uh, that was written called "Surgeon from Another World," um, and is based on this unique testimony to life after death, and partially on the healing results that he achieved uh, over the years. Um, he also he there's a side note. He also set up a a thing in like a a center in France, and there's a little side like a note, healing center, like a healing center. There's a little side note after the after the article is done. Is that after surgeons had carried out tests on jo- on Joseph uh, Tangui, I'm gonna assume a 29 year old Paris shop assistant, they told him that he had developed a cyst in the brain and needed to operate. In fact, it was a tumor, but at that stage they didn't know if it was benign or malignant. Uh-huh. In April of '74, they operated and found the growth to be malignant. It was too dangerous to remove, so they took away a small portion. Then they broke the news to his young wife um, that he only had six months to live. Apparently, this guy currently lives a normal life after receiving treatment from William Lang. The severe headaches diminished, and the subsequent medical tests showed that the tumor was disappearing until eventually it was gone. The patient returned to work, and his wife expressed gratitude by becoming George Chapman's receptionist in France. Um, what makes this case even more remarkable, it states, is that it was his own doctor, Dr. S., who referred him to the dead surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> his medical verdict is that Mr. Uh, Tengui's cure is miraculous. So... I don't know. I don't know, man. It's kind of crazy. If you think about that possible, like if you just let your mind wander, if you think about that there's a go-between between the spirit and the physical world, that there's this, I don't even, like kind of aura that each person generates and mm-hmm. somehow if you, if this spirit entity that was being channeled is able to operate on that level because it's able to go between worlds... That's kind of wild. So, good story nonetheless. A very good story. Yeah. Um, very good story. So yeah, that's where we're at. I've I uh, I'd never heard of that before. No, um, I've heard there's a, I believe I heard a story I think on Mysterious Universe about a Brazilian guy, who was able to channel a German doctor, but not not the same guy. Well, this guy was British. Doesn't matter. Yeah, he was able to channel a German doctor, but this guy did like physical surgeries, uh-huh. like hardcore. That dude, that is ridiculous. I know, I know. That was a really good so, one. Yeah, good one. I just found it yesterday, so maybe it was good that we uh, did this episode late. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, that's all I got. You got anything? Uh, we're going to see a psychic. So we are. Also, on that. I've been sleepwalking. Oh, yes. You ended up in your bathtub the other day. I did. I woke up in my bathtub. I think I might be cursed. <laughs> <laughs> I think more people sleepwalk than you would... Than I realize. Than you would imagine, yeah. My favorite stories are the people that sleepwalk and they proceed to go to the fridge and eat like a full meal and mm-hmm. then go back to bed. <laughs> 
That's crazy. Like, I get hungry in the middle of the night, but that's, like, next level. That's next level stuff. Yeah, sleepwalking can be dangerous. Also dangerous. People, uh, they can't find food, apparently. I've heard that they just eat random, like... The stuff. Stuff, like uh-huh. Tide Pods. <laughs> Maybe not Tide Pods, that's just a joke. But they do... <laughs> they do... They do eat other things. Tide, though. Okay, <laughs> the funny thing about Tide Pods is if you open up a thing, uh, like a, a package of Tide Pods and smell them, it smells like Skittles. It yeah. smell, well, I mean, it smells good. Yeah, it smells good. Well, because, I mean, you want your clothes to smell good. Yeah. Yeah, so. But just don't <laughs> eat them. <laughs> just don't eat them. So. Um, yeah. We're going to a psychic. Going to a psychic. Maybe she can. I found a place. Maybe she can heal your uh, sleepwalking. I'm going to ask about it. Yeah. Yeah, you should. I'm going to ask about it. Well, updates on that <laughs> will uh, we'll be coming next week. Um, we appreciate you listening. Um, find us on iTunes at World We Live In Podcast. Catch us on Podbean. Um, find us, uh, email us actually at World We Live In Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, I, I'm uh, almost 100% sure we're there. But. Rate and review as well on iTunes and uh, give us a shout out. Again, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, um, thanks for listening. Little midweek episode here. Um, try to get back on track, but you know, holidays coming up. Um, we'll be out of town a little bit, so. But good stuff to come. Good stuff to come. And we appreciate you listening. And we'll catch you next time.